this sanctuary is a lot emptier without all of the kids in it. And the high schoolers are up at camp. Well, who's ready before the big game today? That football teams. There's, there's still some left. I think the 49ers are still in it, right? Yes. So, little secret, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I grew up as a Buffalo Bills fan. And so this was like the first year to actually be excited about something for a long time, but they didn't make it very far. So, what can you do? Go 49ers now. I never grew up as a Broncos fan, even though I'm from Colorado. I, I agree. I'm not arguing with that. I'll, I'll adopt the 49ers. That's good. If you are out in the foyer from dropping your kids off, feel free to come back in. And this morning, as we started, we have been in our series for the last last week and this week on distinctives. What makes Sierra Grace Sierra Grace? And if you have been around for any amount of time, you might have noticed that there are some things that look different. And so we feel like it's very important to highlight what does it look like as we gather together as a community And this isn't to say that our uniqueness is better than other churches. I want to highlight that very specifically. I've read that in books and I've seen that in conferences and it kind of just makes my skin crawl a little bit. Um, We're not here as a competition. As Betsy was saying about the churches coming together, whether it's for the mental health night or talking about ways to minister to our children, we are all here to see the kingdom of God come. We're all working towards the same goal, serving the same Lord our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we get the wonderful privilege of partnering together. But as a community of Sierra Grace, we are a specific people gathered in a specific location on a specific time. And if you've noticed at all, been in any other churches or read the book of Acts, every single church that is made up of specific people has things that are really distinct about them. Uh The first, the church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts shared everything in common, and it was this amazing picture of Christian unity, and then they never tried it in any of the other churches. I always found that interesting. No explanation of why that happened, but all that to say that churches have different ways of doing things, and so we want to highlight some of those. Whether you're new here and learning your way around CR Grace, or you've been here for a long time, and it's just a helpful reminder. It's kind of like living in a family. If you've ever had this experience where you grow up and you do something specific with your family one way, and then one day you invite a friend over, or a girlfriend, or a boyfriend, or a fiancé, and they just kind of look at you like, you guys are really weird. <laughs> We don't do it that way. Wait, not everyone does it this way? It's a little bit like us. So last week, as Todd kicked off this series, he talked about how we, how Jesus is at the center. And this is true of most churches. Um, this is true of all Christian, Christ-believing churches. But what that means for us is that as we place Jesus at the center, we let other things fall to the side. Uh, we have determined to be very specific and narrow in that aspect, but then we're very broad in many other aspects. So one of the unique things is after being here for four years, I have never had a serious discussion with someone about the end times here. We believe Jesus is coming back, and we believe that is incredibly important 
there are a variety of different views on how that happens. Some of them are labeled post-millennial, pre-millennial, amillennial. There's all these different millennials. Um, they were way ahead of the game using the word millennial. We don't totally know. And while we may believe, I might believe one specific way, others of you might believe a different way, and that is totally okay here. And that is something we view as beautiful, even though it can be sometimes frustrating or difficult and confusing here at Sierra Grace. But as Todd talked about this, he brought us to the Apostles' Creed. This was an ancient, about 17 to 1800-year-old document that the early Christians came up with that kind of spelled out what the gospel is and who Jesus was. This isn't our only statement of faith, but this is a powerful one to remind us of placing Jesus at the center. So what I'd love for you to do with me is stand. Uh, Throughout history, churches across the world have stood for the recitation of this, and would you recite this with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Just a quick little note. You may be seated. The word Catholic here means the churches across the world who believe in Jesus Christ, regardless of denomination or being non-denominational, not just specifically the Roman Catholic Church. So just wanted to highlight that. And this is not our only statement of faith. We have a few more evangelical distinctives that can be found on our statement of faith on the website. But this one helps us remember that Jesus Christ sits at the center of everything we do. Who he is, as revealed in his word, is our center. The next thing that Todd talked about is that we are elder-led. We believe that as Jesus Christ is a leader, underneath of that, we believe in a plurality of leadership, and you will find that through our eldership and various other expressions here at Sierra Grace, through deacons, through staff. through. And so we are an elder-led church, and we believe in a plurality of leadership. And this morning, we're going to unpack three more. The first one is that we are community-oriented, that we are centered around us being together as the people of God. And kind of as a subset, but two distinct parts of that is that we strive to be multi-generational and that we are passionate about people discovering and using their gifts within this body. So as we dive into these, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to gather together each and every week to worship your holy name as one body. We thank you for your immeasurable love for us. That you gave your one and only son. He lived as one of us. He died and was obedient 
to death, even on a cross. That you raised him on the third day and seated him at your right hand. That through that we would have salvation. We would have life eternal. We would have eternal life. The forgiveness of sins. We thank you for your grace. As we gather together this morning, we pray that you would give us eyes to see you. Ears to hear you. Hearts that are receptive to what you're doing in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit. Would you be glorified through it all. Amen. So the first distinctive we're going to cover this morning is that at CR Grace, we are community-oriented. We want to live life together, not just be a collection of individuals gathering on a Sunday morning or any of these other events, but that we want to be one body united in Christ. This is actually one of the implicit features of the New Testament. You see it show up everywhere, but if you think about it, the entire New Testament was written to communities of Christ and for communities. One of the unique aspects of this is that in the book of Acts, as the Holy Spirit falls on first the church in Jerusalem and then the gospel spreading throughout the Roman Empire, Gentiles are coming into the faith and God has revealed that this has been part of his plan throughout the ages. And now Gentiles are coming in, but it creates some complications between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And so after a while, they gather together and say, what are we going to do about this? And after hearing testimonies and stories of what God is doing throughout the church across the region, they come up with four different things. Out of all of the 600-something laws that the Jewish people had, they narrowed it down to four And the four are really interesting because three of them have to do with food. Three of the four prescriptions that everybody had to abide by had to do with food so that the table would be reconciled and Jews and Gentiles could eat together. So you couldn't have food sacrificed to idols. You couldn't have food strangled or with blood. The fourth one was to avoid sexual immorality. And those were the four things that they said, if we can get these out of the way, we can be united as one in Christ. And we can overcome some of these traditions. We can still honor the traditions that we came from. But this would unite us and allow us to come to the table together. Another implicit thing about the New Testament and the letters is that there's a limitation in English. And that in the second person, we have the same word for the singular and plural, which is you. Do you, Don, want to come to lunch today? Or do you... Everybody want to come to lunch. In the English language, we have one word, unless you are from the great state of Texas. Which, what word do we have, Phil and Gail? Y'all. Almost all of the yous in the New Testament are y'alls. This was... There, I joked the first service, maybe there should be a Texas translation of the Bible. That would help out in a lot of... In that area, at least. Might get some other interesting translational aspects, but the y'all part is really important. Most of the you's are saying you all. Everybody's included. This is a very communal aspect. In fact, listen to some of the language that Paul uses as he writes to these churches, because it's a pretty profound language. In Philippians 1, 7, he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, y'all, because I hold you in my heart, For you are all, y'all, partakers with me of grace, 
both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. That is pretty powerful language. It goes on to say, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love would abound more and more in all knowledge and depth of insight and discernment, both for God and for one another, so that we would grow into the fullness of what God has for us. That we would be pure and blameless, filled with the fruit of righteousness. That this is a together thing. Again, he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. We endeavored, we came all this way to share not only the good news of Jesus Christ, but part of that good news is that we're not just saved from hell into heaven, but we are saved into the people of God, into the community of Christ. In fact, if you look around, you at the people next to you, get used to them because you are stuck with them for all of eternity as a result of this. Our hope here at CR Grace as we are community oriented is that we would truly do life together. It's not just events, but that we would have people in our lives, whether it's one or two from this community, that know who you are underneath the surface. You would find people to go deep with, people that can share your hopes and dreams and your desires, as well as your fears, your failures, your disappointments. People that you can share your sins with. And that can, you can hear the forgiveness that God offers through them offering that to you. That you would experience grace. That you would experience reconciliation. You would experience the fullness of what God has for you because that can't be attained alone. This is why we have events like 242. This is why we have family camp. This is why we do all of these other things. It's not because we love planning events, but it's because we want to create space and environment for you guys to grow in community and grow into the fullness of Christ. It's why we greet one another on Sundays as a reminder that we are not alone. We are not here to worship just ourselves, but we are here to worship as a community. In fact, this is why gathering on Sunday morning is so important. There are a ton of good worship bands out there, some almost as good as our worship band. Some of them have written beautiful albums and beautiful songs, and I can listen to them on Spotify. You know what the great part about Spotify is? Is I can click skip when I don't like the song. There are tons of phenomenal preachers across the world and through the invention of podcasts I can listen to all of those in the convenience of my own home but the one thing I can't do by myself in my living room with a podcast and a worship album is worship with all of you together and there's something beautiful and powerful about that Bonhoeffer in his classic book Life Together he talks about this concept and one of the profound things he talks about is that I need the Christ in you And you need the Christ in me. If we believe that Christ dwells within us through the power of the Holy Spirit, in order for us to step fully into that reality, we need one another. 
Each one of you exhibits Christ and some of his gifts and his fruits and the work that he's doing in your lives in a way that I don't. And likewise, Christ is working in me in a way that he isn't working in all of you. And as we combine together, we become one. We become the body of Christ, working together, achieving that fullness in a way that I never could achieve by myself or any of you could ever achieve on your own. And community can be hard. I do want to say that. There will be small caveats on both, pretty much all of these. Community can be incredibly hard, can't it? At some point... Your friends, at some point, the people in this church, the leadership, the people you're sitting in the pews next to you, will hurt you or disappoint you. If it hasn't happened yet, I'm sorry to say it's going to happen in the future. It's just a natural part of learning how to live life together. It's also a place where we get to experience as well as express, to give and receive the grace and forgiveness in Christ Jesus. All throughout scriptures, Paul puts in his letters that you would bear with one another in Christ, meaning that at some point it's going to be really hard to do so. He tells us to forgive each other, just as Christ forgave us. And when we see this happen, there's something more beautiful than we can imagine that comes together. When we get to experience it, it goes beyond description. It's quite amazing. As a subset of us living in community together is that we strive to be a multi-generational church. One of the greatest blessings that even as I look out among you all today but that I have experienced is all the different ages, all the different life stages that come together and gather on a Sunday morning. In fact, it is that, it is that very aspect that we're not all the same, we're not all the same age, we're not all in the same life stage. All of that that makes us a community that isn't just a social club because we're united by Christ, not by our commonalities. But within that, one of the greatest blessings that Rachel and I have received is our some of our closest friends here that we've made over the last four years have not been in our same age or our same life stage. I have the privilege of going to a small group on Thursday mornings where four separate decades are represented. That is pretty incredible. On Wednesday, I got the privilege of joining with the seniors lunch, as I often do, uh, as they gather together once a month. I'm a lot older than I look. But as they gathered together, there were 50 or 60 people in this room, and it was alive, and seeing God at work was just something incredibly profound. I got the privilege of seeing our youth in their high school camps and on Wednesday nights or junior high on Tuesday nights and getting to speak there, going to Awana, children's ministry, VBS. We have all these different generations represented here. And it is incredible to see. It's part of the reason why we have children in singing with us. That is one aspect that this is the first church I've been at that has their children in the worship service with them. And it is incredibly beautiful because it is an affirmation that God is working in all of us. That all of us together get to come, young, old, whatever stage of life we're in, gather together on Sunday morning to lift our praises up to God. Sometimes those praises sound like screams. And that's amazing, and that's beautiful. 
In Ephesians 3, Paul closes one of his prayers with this. He says, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. The young or old, whatever age we're at, all generations, glory be to God throughout the church forever and ever. I haven't been to heaven, so I haven't written a book about going to heaven and coming back. But I do know that this is one of the distinct features of eternity with God, is that all the generations will be represented. You see this throughout the New Testament. You see this in the book of Revelation, that the generations will come together to worship God. This is why the genealogies, as boring as some of us may think they are at the beginning of Matthew and Luke, are actually incredibly important. They're revealing this reality. I walked into Mod Pizza, this was probably two years ago, right after they opened, and I saw a scene that made my heart leap for joy, and that was the Odies having lunch together. Four generations, Nancy and Don and Kathy and their four kids and all of their kids. I couldn't find a seat. (laughs) But to see all of them together, voluntarily no less, was a picture of eternity, a, a picture of what God has called the church to be, is that all the different generations were represented. And again, this can be a bit complicated. You may have noticed that different generations think about things differently, different worldviews, different interactions with technology, politics might look a little bit different, uh, As a result, navigating change, navigating transition can be incredibly hard. We've all experienced this. At some point, I have probably heard from people across the spectrum about feelings of being excluded, feelings of being left out, being marginalized. And that is not intentional, uh, but it it can feel real. And this is part of the tension of how we learn to live life together. Some people may really like having kids in worship. Other people may not. Some people really like an emphasis on youth. Some people will feel excluded by that and vice versa. All of that to say is that this is such a big value that we're striving towards it even when we don't get it right. Because all of you are needed in the body of Christ and all of you are loved and valued here. And this is one of the beautiful things that when it does work, when we are doing it well, It is a picture and a foretaste of eternity with God. And then the last one that I want to highlight this morning is that as a result of that, as us being one body in Christ, we hope that you discover and find ways to use your gifts here at Sierra Grace. Each one of us has been gifted, and just as Jesus gave himself for us, we are called to give ourselves for those around us and for the life of the world, that they would come to know this good news of Jesus Christ. This passage in 1 Corinthians sums up so many of our distinctives well, but especially highlights the difference in giftings and how they're all united by one God, one Spirit. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, different ways that we can serve the body of Christ but one Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with the body of Christ, you and I. This list that he highlights here is not exhaustive, not even close to exhaustive. In fact, just a couple of verses later, Paul will highlight more gifts, and in other letters, there are even more gifts that are highlighted that leads us to believe this isn't, they weren't trying to be exhaustive here and list every single gift. But what they are saying is that, well, not all of us have, not, none of us have all of the gifts. All of us have some of the gifts. All of us have been gifted in God in order for the building up of the body of Christ, for the common good. We have some of us that have gifts that we might deem more spiritual, others we might deem less spiritual, but they are all apportioned by God, and they are all given not for the building up of ourselves, but for the building up of one another. And we celebrate that. Each one of us has something to bring to the table. We don't always get this perfect, and there are times when you have to do things that are outside of your gifting. But the Lord works in those too. But overall, our heart is that you would discover those gifts. We actually come alive when we see you coming alive using those gifts. Watching Stephen ministry use their gifts of listening to walk alongside people is incredible. Watching Dom and Hannah offer a fitness class and use their expertise, or Kevin with cooking, or Natalie and some of the other people who are gifted financially, to use those gifts that we would all benefit from them. And this goes beyond just see our grace. This isn't just come and serve and make the church go round. Well, that is incredibly important, and we appreciate, we so appreciate you serving here. It's about serving. It's about giving of your lives as Christ gave himself for you. So whether that's Young Life or World Relief or the Salvation Army or one of the other millions of ways that you can pour out your life that I can't even think of, even if it's in your own home, if it's in your own workplace, giving of yourselves, using what God has given you to serve others is something that we hope to see here. Some people here, it is leading a small group. Other people, it's offering hospitality. It could be serving in children's ministry. People that their hearts come alive as they talk about the children that they serve encountering Christ is simply incredible. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church, had this phrase that I absolutely love. He says, in the church, everybody gets to play. In fact, I would change it a little bit and say, everybody has a role to play. And we need every single one of you to play that role. That we are incomplete without it, is what Paul is saying here in this passage. That without every one of you giving of what Christ has given you, specifically, uniquely, individually, we are incomplete as a body. And so we help, we hope to help you discover that. 
I got to I got to have lunch a few days ago with some people who are coming up with ways to use their financial skills to help those in need here at Sierra Grace. And it was just an incredible conversation on how can this specific gift be used for our body at large. It was an incredible reminder of that. So we, re- we orient ourselves around this not only because God calls us to serve and give our lives, but because we actually grow closer to him as we do so. In God's economy, there is this wonderful exchange that as we pour ourselves out, as we give away what he has given us, we are filled in a way that doesn't make sense. We are filled to the point of overflowing by his spirit, by his joy, by his generosity, by all of his gifts, all, everything that he has for us, we get filled back up with. And we don't serve for the selfish reason that we gain from it, but in God's economy, that byproduct is unavoidable. All of us gain as we pour our lives out, just as Christ did for us. There's one more distinctive that we're not going to highlight today because we have a whole Sunday dedicated to it in a couple weeks, which is missions. Missions has always been a huge part of Sierra Grace, uh, big enough that we're going to spend an entire Sunday on it. And we've had seasons where we've spent multiple weeks talking about all the ways that God is at work around the world and that we get to be a part of it. But this morning, in addition to being a Jesus-centered, elder-led church, we are a church that strives to live life together as a community, passionate about seeing everyone, no matter what age, no matter what life stage, come together and worship and use those gifts that God has given them that you and I would be built up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And as we do that this morning, as, as our recognition of that, we get the pro privilege of coming to the Lord's table and partaking of his body and blood that was shed for us. Bow your heads with me if you would. Let's prepare our hearts. I invite you to take a moment or two and just reflect on one or two ways that God might be inviting you deeper into this community. Take a moment and reflect on the ways that God has gifted you and how you might use those for the building up of his body. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all the wonderful ways that you have worked in each of our lives and that you have called us together to be your body, to be your beloved children, one in you. 
We pray that as we continue to do life together, we would recognize with gratitude the wonderful privilege that that is. By the power of your Holy Spirit, be one in one body in Christ, one heart and one mind in you. Thank you for all the wonderful blessings that you have poured out upon us and all the wonderful ways you have gifted us uniquely and individually. Not for ourselves, but for the building up of your body. Give us wisdom and discernment on how we would pour those out and may we encounter you in powerful and life-transforming ways in the midst of that. We love you and we give you all the glory and praise. Amen. As we prepare our hearts to come to the table, let's pray this prayer from Psalm 51 together. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions And my sin is ever before me. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. And Paul reminds us in Colossians 2 that when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. This he has taken away, nailing it to the cross. In a moment, I'm going to consecrate the elements and then pray over them. After that, I'm going to invite you to receive them up front. There will be two stations on either side. The outside ones up here will be communion, or communion free, gluten free. The ones on the inside are glutinous, communion. And then there's a station up there in the balcony as well. Uh, I invite you all to come out towards the center and file down. If you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are very glad that you are here. And I invite you to come and just politely decline as you pass through the line. But those who are serving communion will be up here up front after they serve and would be delighted to pray with you, whether it is to give your life to the Lord Jesus or if you need prayer for anything at all, they would love to pray for you after they serve communion. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. and when When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray.